0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies and your host for the program. This is Episode 7 of Season 2 of the Grizz Weekly Grind, being brought to you today by the Hoop City Basketball Club. Since 2005, their mission has been to assist young student-athletes in grades 1 through 12 in developing a strong work ethic, with discipline, responsibility, and accountability. Hoop City has helped young men be great on the court and in the community. Their alumni include major college and NBA players. Now, if you'd like more information on how to become part of this great sports and character-building club, log on HoopCityBC.com. You can follow them on Twitter at HoopCityBC. As they say, it is in our blood. It is who we are in Hoop City. So check that out. Get your young person involved in Hoop City Basketball Club, and we thank them for their continued support of the show. Light show today. Grizzlies uh, a busy part of their schedule, so uh, we're going to get to that. Was the week that was and a couple of PD's points talk about where the Grizzlies are right now, and uh, at least one other league-wide issue since our last visit. Grizzlies playing Minnesota at home, starting a three-game home stand. The uh, the Grizzlies go on to win it in overtime. It was one of the more exciting games I think we've seen uh, this season at FedEx Forum. Grizzlies got as good a first quarter as you could possibly imagine from John Moran, eleven points five assists, and four rebounds in the first quarter. So the Grizzlies, who had had a history, albeit a short one because we're so early in the season, of slow starts, get off. they get off to a great start, 34 first-quarter points. That's the good news. The bad news is Minnesota also put up 34 points in the first quarter. Grizzlies contributed eight points to that total off their three turnovers, and D'Angelo Russell, coming back from an ankle sprain, put in 11 points on his own in the first quarter, including three of three from three. So it's classic good news, bad news. Good news is good start for the Grizzlies. Bad news is you're even at 34. Second quarter, uh, Grizzlies turn it over five times again in the quarter, so they're struggling with turnover issues there. D'Angelo Russell does not score in the second quarter, nor does John Morant, but Grizzlies get... Some scoring from Brandon Clark, who got the call. Uh, Zaire Williams battling a sore wrist. Brandon Clark gets an early call and uh, contributes six of his 12 points in the second quarter. And you feel really good for Brandon Clark because he had been essentially out of the rotation. And I know that a lot of people were asking me on Twitter, why is he out of the rotation? I think part of it is the Grizzlies coaching staff probably favored Xavier Tillman a little bit. Uh, They're trying to get Zaire Williams an opportunity on the wing. And, uh, of course, BC's not really a wing. He's more more of a post player. But having said that, just a numbers game, uh, if you're going with a backup big, it seemed like they were going with Tillman more than anything else. Now, Tillman did get some run in the first half of that game as well, but went scoreless, did have three rebounds. Grizzlies end up shooting 50% for the first half. And they lead 58-54 after one quarter, despite the fact that Morant went 0-4 in that second quarter, one of the rare shutout quarters for John Morant this season. Third quarter belongs to the Minnesota Timberwolves, and they did it with three-point shooting. They go six of nine from distance in the third quarter. Through three quarters, they have 14 three-point makes. The Grizzlies have just seven. And the Grizzlies find themselves down 92-81, heading to the final quarter so through three quarters D'Angelo Russell has 24 Morant had eight more in the third quarter to give him 19 Brandon Clark added four more he's got 16 through three quarters Grizzlies are shooting 50 percent but the fact that they're minus seven and threes is a big factor in this game and the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves both uh, somewhat turnover prone in this game fourth quarter this is where John Morant shines he puts up 12 of his 31 regulation points in the fourth quarter hits 8 of 10 from the free throw line through regulation, and that was after missing his first two free throw attempts. So he hits eight straight after missing. Carl Anthony Towns goes for 10 in the fourth quarter, and the Grizzlies outscore Minnesota 32-21 to send this game to overtime. But really who sent it to overtime was Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, A desperation fadeaway three-point heave from the right angle he banks it in for his third triple of the night, and that's how we get into overtime at 113 apiece. We had five second calls. We had eight second calls. We had a goaltending call against Jaron Jackson Jr. that was overturned. It was one of the more dramatic fourth quarters that we have seen in quite a while. And you were wondering if the, uh, if the overtime could live up to what happened in regulation. Uh, it was somewhat anticlimactic for the Grizzlies. Uh, the Grizzlies... Uh, go four of eight shooting in that uh, extra period. Meanwhile, Minnesota goes one of seven, and they tried five threes in overtime, missed them all. And the Grizzlies go on to win it 125-118. to Brandon Clark with four of his 20 points coming in overtime. And BC finishes with a total of nine rebounds, five of them on the offensive end. And the Grizzlies... Get to 6-4 and four on the season, beating Minnesota 125-118. to 118. So the Grizzlies are feeling pretty good about themselves, despite the fact that, again, they faced a big deficit and they were able to come back from it. Uh, Grizzlies now with four double-digit comebacks on the season, tied for most in the NBA. And the Grizzlies were thinking, well, We've got Dylan Brooks uh, playing a couple of simulation games uh, with the Memphis Hustle, so we think we're going to get him back. And so a lot of the talk leading to Wednesday's game at home against Charlotte was about Dylan Brooks and his potential return. Dylan did return against the Charlotte Hornets, came in off the bench, and uh, was an impactful player, as you would expect. But... Again, the Grizzlies is very much the same story as what we saw with Minnesota on Monday night. Grizzlies get off to a fantastic start. John Morant has the best scoring quarter of his career, 19 points in the first quarter. It set a Grizzlies franchise record for most points in a first quarter. And yet the Grizzlies only lead at 36-34 after one quarter. Because Charlotte shoots 5 of 10 from beyond the arc. They're shooting 54%. Grizzlies 57%. And even though the Grizzlies had 26 paint points, it was uh, obliterated by the fact that Charlotte was shooting so well from downtown. Charlotte in the first quarter, to give you an idea of just how good Charlotte is as a ball distribution team, they had 11 assists on 14 baskets in the first quarter. Six different players registered an assist for the Charlotte Hornets. They're one of the best passing teams in the NBA. And LaMelo Ball had four in the first quarter. Mason Plumlee had a couple as well. Uh, And they played really well. 11 assists, no turnovers for Charlotte in the first quarter. But the Grizzlies do lead at 36-34 after one quarter. Hornets in the second quarter, this is where they start to take control of the scoreboard. They would go up eight at halftime. Uh, They would hit just three of nine from beyond the arc in the second quarter. But the key here is that James Borrego realized his, his team was getting gashed in the paint and so put together a zone that really slowed down the Grizzlies and particularly the Grizzlies bench, although Dylan Brooks did have 12 first-half points. Uh, what happened with the zone is that the Grizzlies just settled for three-point shots. The Grizzlies went one of 15 from three. In the second quarter, at halftime, they were shooting four of 24 from beyond the arc, and they had missed four free throws, all the misses coming from Steven Adams, and the the Grizzlies just settled for shooting from the edges. Now, they had double-digit offensive rebounds, but they weren't really making any headway on the scoreboard because they settled for... Three-point shots. I mean, 15 and a quarter is just an insane number, but that's where the Grizzlies were with that, and so credit to James Borrego, who decided to go zone, and the Grizzlies were outscored 26-16 in the second quarter, and Charlotte has the lead into the locker room. Grizzlies bounce back somewhat in the third quarter. They take an eight-point lead in the third quarter, and uh, John Morant adds six more to his total, But Kelly Oubre Jr. was starting to heat up. Oubre, who had 11 in the first half, puts up 11 in the third quarter. And Oubre, who was 2 of 3 at halftime from downtown, uh, he continues and uh, shoots very well. He makes three threes in four tries in the third quarter and helps the Hornets come back after the Grizzlies go up 8. And through three quarters, it is 81 to 78. Now, remember the Hornets, they're wrapping up a five-game road trip. They had been all the way out west. They had been at Sacramento. They had been at Golden State. They had been at both Los Angeles teams. They're coming off an overtime loss to the Los Angeles Lakers. And there was some thought that maybe, just maybe, you might get them with their bags packed and one foot on the airplane. Uh, That was not the case. And a big reason why was Kelly Oubre Jr. Kelly Oubre Jr. finishes with 37 points, seven of nine from Beyond the Arc. The 37 points by Kelly Oubre Jr., the most by a Hornets reserve in franchise history. And despite 32 from John Moran to go along with eight assists and seven rebounds and three steals, and 20 for Dylan Brooks off the bench, including four of seven from Beyond the Arc. The Grizzlies lose it 118-108 to to a Charlotte Hornets team that had lost five in a row and all four on the road trip. Grizzlies had 70 in the paint, but the bottom line in this one, I mean, the Grizzlies had 16 more shots on goal. 16 more shots. But they shot just 9 of 38 from 3. They were minus 9 in free throws attempted. And uh, the Grizzlies lost 23 points on turnovers. Grizzlies... Really, they were victimized by the fact that James Borrego went zone. The Grizzlies did not attack it well. Uh, Taylor Jenkins admitting afterwards that uh, there was a lack of execution in getting into the middle of that zone. And so um, somewhat of a disappointing loss for the Memphis Grizzlies, 118-108. to So the Grizzlies go to 6-5 and five on the season. And we'll talk a little bit more about the state of the Grizzlies, as it were, when we get to Petey's points in just a moment. But first of all, we want to tell you that today's show is being brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. You know the NHL season is underway, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time slapper or a deft deflection. However they light the lamp, you win. Now, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed because everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So... Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net gets you a big win with promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call one 800 gambler and so with that let's get to some pd's points first of all happy veterans day and a huge thanks to all the men and women who serve and have served in uniform especially those who paid the ultimate price with their own lives with their own blood to keep our nation free um you have my undying admiration for being part of the armed forces for doing what you do under many times difficult circumstances. And you think not only of our current military, but you think of all the veterans through the two world wars, through the Korean war, the Vietnam war, desert storm, and um, all the things that those men and women had to do under the most trying of circumstances to keep America free. And it, it really is mind boggling and staggering. And yet when you talk to them, they just uh, will tell you, hey, I I was doing my job. And the job they have done and continue to do is vitally needed and uh, very, very much worth all our approval and salute and praise. So happy Veterans Day to all of uh, those of you who are serving or have served. Again, our eternal thanks to you for all you do for our great country. Petey's point number two. As we switch back to basketball, welcome back to Dylan Brooks. Really solid effort against the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, defensively, offensively, 20 points. He had assists. He had steals. Uh, he had dogged defense. Picked up a tech. Um, you know, this is kind of the way Dylan Brooks plays the game. And uh, so it was a, a very good return to action for him. Uh, the question that is going to be on everybody's mind right now is, what role is Dylan going to play? Obviously, he's going to be back in the starting lineup. We're not really sure at what point. I would imagine the morning after the Charlotte game that the team performance staff is looking at how he responded from a fitness level standpoint. The hand apparently is fine. Obviously, otherwise, he wouldn't have been cleared to play. So now it just remains to be seen. Uh, ramping up his basketball activities. He had a couple of simulated games with the Memphis Hustle. Is he ready to start full-time for the Memphis Grizzlies? We will find out. Uh, Grizzlies have a weekend back-to-back. They've got a Friday night game at home against Phoenix. Then Saturday, they are in New Orleans. A very, very quick turnaround and an oddly-timed 6 p.m. Saturday game. So the Grizzlies starting two games less than 24 hours apart. Uh, Not sure why it's a 6 o'clock start on a Saturday night in New Orleans, but be that as it may... that it will be a tough turnaround for the Grizzlies. Thankfully it's, it's a short flight and you're not changing time zones, but good first effort from Dylan Brooks. Great to have him back. And that brings me to Petey's point number three. What does this mean for the rotation? The Anthony Melton or Desmond Bain is going to have to go to the bench because Dylan's going to start. So which of those wings are you going to put on the bench right now? Desmond Bain is not shooting the basketball. Well, uh, he is one for his last 17 from three. And through the first handful of games of the season, he was among the league leaders, averaging about three three point makes per game. You can argue this in a couple of ways. Uh, you can say, well, if you put Bain on the bench, now you've got some three point scoring pop coming in off the bench. No, he's not going to go one for 17 for forever. That, that's not going to happen. So if you, if you bring him off the bench, you get another score off the bench. Uh, but then you've got Anthony Melton, who's primarily a defensive guy. Dylan, a defensive guy. Both of them can make shots. But now you got two defensive guys, and Steven Anderson is not going to be an offensive threat. And so now the majority of your offense is going to have to probably be Dylan and Ja and Jaron. Is that the way that you want to play it? Or do you want to have Desmond Bain on the floor? But then it probably takes, a, takes away a little bit from your bench offense, which has been a struggle through a good portion of the season, although the Grizzlies bench has come alive as of late. Uh, back-to-back 20-point bench efforts uh, by Brandon Clark and then by Dylan Brooks in, in, the, in the last two games. So I will be interested to see how Taylor Jenkins plays the rotation, what happens here, who goes to the bench when Dylan goes back to the starting lineup, and how soon will that happen. Uh, Grizzlies, I believe on Thursday leading up to the Phoenix game, they are off. So they are not practicing, uh, probably will have a shoot around before the Phoenix game on Friday morning. So they're not going to have a a practice time with Dylan Brooks being in the starting lineup. Now, having said that it's probably a similar system. There there shouldn't be any real issue with Dylan Brooks stepping into the starting lineup against Phoenix. If that is what Taylor Jenkins wants to do and uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see how it all plays out. Next, PD's point, and, and this is something that's really, really important. This is not a good defensive team. They are last in the league in defensive rating. They are tied for last in defensive rating in the NBA with the New Orleans Pelicans, who are 1-10. in 10. So that gives you a sense of this is kind of serious. The Grizzlies' offense has been good, but you can't rely on your offense to bail out your defense all the time. That's true of any team. It's true of any franchise. Uh, It's true of any sport. If your defense can't hold the other guys down, uh, it it really puts a lot of pressure on your offense. It puts a lot of pressure on you to score. And the Grizzlies, they're not shooting a great percentage right now. And the last couple games, they have really struggled from three. You couple shooting struggles with defensive struggles And you're going to lose games. Part of the reason why the Grizzlies beat Minnesota is Minnesota is a very young team that does not execute well down the stretch. They are a team that just doesn't know how to close out games. And we saw that in person on Monday night. They don't know how to close out games. If not for the Carl Anthony miracle fadeaway bank three-pointer, Grizzlies win in regulation they go on to win in overtime, of course. But you can't rely on your offense to bail you out every single night. And that's where the Grizzlies are right now. Uh, even though they didn't shoot the ball well from three against Minnesota, uh, they, they made enough plays on the offensive glass, and they made enough hustle plays. And they're a little bit more experienced, although they're, they're very young as well, have a little bit more experience about closing out games in a clutch. Still, the Grizzlies have to figure out their defense. This is you know and, and this team and I, and I go back if you have listened to the show over the last few weeks you heard Mark Spears from the undefeated tell me look this Grizzlies team they can beat anybody they can lose to anybody Now the Charlotte, the Charlotte Hornets I, that, this is not to say that the Charlotte Hornets aren't a good team I mean they got off to a good start they were they were 5 and 2 and then they lose 5 in a row Those losing streaks are going to happen but the bottom line and the common thread in all this is that when the Grizzlies don't play good defense, they just don't win. It takes an awful lot of firepower to overcome the way that they're playing defense right now. And it's not scheme. I think it, it's more a matter of attention to detail, a matter of communication, a matter of just one-on-one staying in front of your guy. Now, the common theme has been, well, Dylan Brooks is going to come back yeah, Dylan Brooks is going to be back, and the Grizzlies' perimeter defense is going to be a little bit better. I mean, DeAnthony Melton hasn't exactly been bad as a perimeter defender, but it's the team defense and the rotations that are going to have to be tightened up in order for the Grizzlies to really be as good as they can be. I know that you know some people were saying, well, maybe the Grizzlies get the sixth seed in the West, and they avoid the play-in game. The Grizzlies are not going to make the sixth seed – by being last in defensive efficiency. They are a good offensive team. They are not a great offensive team. And until their defense improves, you're going to have stretches like this. Win one, lose one. Win a game dramatically against a team that you are far better better than, and then lose to a team that you're pretty much on equal footing with. And this is the thing that until you get the defense figured out, until you get the ability to have a defensive rating that is closer to 100 than to 115, you're going to struggle because now you are at the mercy of do the shots fall? Rob Fisher during the telecast, talked to Sonia Rahman, one of the assistants, and she said, "Well, we've gotten a good three- point looks. They haven't gone in. It's true. But if you're on a night when those looks aren't going in, your defense has to pick up the pace. And the Grizzlies' defense has not been able to do it. They could not locate Kelly Oubre with a GPS on Wednesday night. And and Oubre goes off for 37. That's three off his career high. So this is really the the ultimate take on the Grizzlies. Defense has got to get better. The three-pointers are great. The John Moran offensive explosions are great. But... It's not enough. The tell is big first quarter against Minnesota. Game is tied after one quarter. Franchise record 19 points in the first quarter against Charlotte. And the Grizzlies lead is only two. You know, the Grizzlies give up 34 to Charlotte in the first quarter, they give up 34 to Minnesota the game before in the first quarter. These are, these are not numbers that you can, you can live with on a consistent basis. Back-to-back first quarters, Grizzlies allowing 34 points. Now, they were able to score, but they weren't able to create an advantage on the scoreboard. And, and that, to me, is, is, is the biggest thing. And if you can't create advantages somewhere, you're going to be battling every single night against opponents good and bad. And that's why. This team can beat anybody. They've handed Golden State their only loss to date. But then they can lose to anybody, including a team that's in a five-game losing streak, last game of a road trip, can't wait to get home, and yet Charlotte gets the win. So um, that's where the Grizzlies are, at least in my eyes. Uh, one final PD's point, and, and we touched on this in the last show, which is Neil O'Shea, the general manager of the Portland Trailblazers, Blazers. Uh, The target of an investigation by the Trailblazers uh, alleging a hostile workplace environment and more and more details starting to come out now. Uh, You may have heard John Canzano, who's a local uh, radio personality and newspaper columnist in Portland with the Oregonian, did an interview with Barry Hecker. He used to be an assistant coach with the Grizzlies under Lionel Hollins. Uh, Barry Hecker also worked in personnel with the Los Angeles Coopers while O'Shea was there. Uh, he had some very pointed comments about O'Shea that were, that were very much not complimentary, but one of the things that came out also this week, uh, some of you may remember Dan Dickow, uh, Pacific Northwest guy, bounced around the NBA, good guy, great college player, journeyman, uh, professional basketball player, uh, Dick outplayed played collegiately at Washington and Gonzaga. Uh, his career lasted from 02 to 08. He played for Atlanta, Portland, Dallas, New Orleans, Boston and the Clippers. Uh, you know, again was was a decent reserve but was never going to be a great NBA player. Wanted to stay around the league. He um, had done some player development work with the Portland Trailblazers. He's also been doing some a commentary for Westwood One on uh, college basketball games on the radio. And he really wanted to work with the G League affiliate, the Idaho Stampede of the Portland Trailblazers. So he's trying to work with O'Shea, trying to get a gig there. Uh, didn't seem to work out. He expressed a desire to remain with the Portland franchise. And so he reached out to the president of business operations, Sarah Mensa, to see, you know, is, is there some way that I can save the organization? You know, I'm a native of the area. I love the organization, want to be part of the organization. And so he was he was looking for a job. And two days after Dickow sent the email, and, and this is coming from BleacherReport.com, and they quote, Dickow is saying that Olshay called Dickow two days after he sent the email. And this is a direct quote. In an aggressive tone, he calls me and he starts cursing me out, telling me, why would you ever effing go behind my back? You went behind my back and tried to play politics with the email you sent. You former players don't get it. You don't work. You're lazy. You're going to have a hard time finding a job in the league ever again if this is the way you act because you're a former player and you're very lazy. Unquote. People who know Dan Dickow know that he is, he is not very lazy. Um, but this is just another example and now these things even though the, the investigation goes on in Portland, these things are starting to starting to leak out now and the stories are starting to be told about Neil O'Shea. And, and I don't know uh, how this is all going to play out. but you know again, I, I go back to what I had said in, in a previous show and this is about respecting people. This is this is a, a show of a lack of respect for for, for Dan Dickouts and there there's got to be a better way to explain your position than the way that Neil O'Shea did it uh Dan Dicko wants a job didn't feel he was getting a fair shake he said look I'll talk to somebody on the business side and maybe there's something I can do in in another area and and O'Shea takes great umbrage at that and then responds um It's just really, really sad what's going on here. Uh, The investigation about Robert Sarver in Phoenix continues, and um, reading the articles coming out of there, uh, the players, Monty Williams, are all just trying to to process what was alleged and what their experiences have been as part of that organization. And uh, we will get an up-close and personal look at the Phoenix Suns when they come in to play on Friday night. And then the Grizzlies go on the road, And they hit New Orleans for one night, and then the Grizzlies come on back, and then they have Houston coming up next Monday night. So those are the PD's points for this week. Uh, An up-and-down week for the Grizzlies. Dramatic win over the Minnesota Timberwolves. Disappointing loss to the Charlotte Hornets. And I think it's disappointing simply because the Grizzlies let a winnable game get away from them. And again, the Grizzlies... Another double-digit deficit. They were able to fight back but could not hold on to the lead. and, And, again, really now struggling to shoot the three ball after a very good start to the year in that regard. So that does it for this edition of the Grizz Weekly Grind. I'm Pete Pranica. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.